all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars From the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, your host, and I just dove in head first into the back to waters. And David is skinny dipping in the back to waters. Hello, Dave. It feels rather relieving yeah. to be skinny dipping. That's right. It does, doesn't it? It feels liberating. You get those bubbles everywhere. That's filthy, Dave. <laughs> All right, so you and I today have returned to discuss... The Mandalorian. This feels is good. Feels it good. does, and this is, of course, the Mandalorian edition. We'll be here all season long to discuss all of season two, starting with today, of course, when we'll when we will be delving into chapter nine. So they're not starting over; it's just going to go it's right into chapter nine. I was really surprised with that that they referred to it as chapter nine. Now, how do you feel about that? You know, the, the thing the thing is, I I get that basically Favreau wants to say that this is a ongoing story. It's the story of the Mandalorian. But isn't every TV show an ongoing story? That's the thing. And it, for for if he was saying this like in a movie, okay. Right. You know, that because that that'd be like the Tarantino thing to do. But you're talking about a television show. Right. I mean, it is technically, I guess, the ninth installment, right? So it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Yeah. So. You know, it, with with that type of creative thinking, mm-hmm. I, I'm like going at that point. It, it's his creative choice to actually do that. Yeah. That's it's, fine. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm it's just curious to see what people think. That's all. So we'll see. All right, so after nearly a year of no Mandalorian, new episodes have finally arrived. The season two production got super lucky, Dave, and managed to completely, completely dodge the coronavirus shutdowns. If they didn't, we would not be sitting here today, and Disney Plus would not have any original programming. <laughs> For the entire year. Yeah. I mean, so far they have the biggest claim to fame is Mandalorian season one and season two. Pretty much. Everything else has been pretty much sidelined and pushed. All right, so the synopsis. The Mandalorian is drawn to the Outer Rim in search of others. <laughs> and that is it. In search of others of his kind, I should say. There we go. I, I had a brain fart for a second. <laughs> you, you basically were like looking at it going, is that all he's going to say about the synopsis? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So this episode was a Star Wars nerd's wet dream with about a dozen Star Wars references packed in, I'd say, every 90 seconds or so. <laughs> it felt like it. A uh, crate like dragon, crate dragon pearls, Boba Fett, Boba Fett armor, the Death Star, the second Death, Death Star. Star. <laughs> I can go on for about 30 minutes straight with just the references. Uh, the visual effects is so good. We finally got to see a crate dragon and it was so awesome. 
correct me if I'm wrong, we've never seen a Kree dragon. No. Because in, in, in any of the movies, correct? Uh, we've yeah. heard the sounds made. Um, books, yes, of course. Comic books, video games, yes. But never, never like this. When I saw that Kray Dragon, it brought back the Star Wars Galaxies vibe. Remember that yes. MMO? Yes. Back in the early 2000s, which was just so fantastic. I, I remember spending hours on end trying to hunt down a Kray Dragon so I can get that goddamn pearl. Get so I could pearl. become a Jedi and make a lightsaber. Even, even like, say, for example, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic yeah. Oh, yeah. had the Kray Dragon in it. And... The most amazing thing, I think I understand now why when I remember seeing a documentary on like Star Wars and Lucas actually came up with the idea of a crate dragon. And yeah, it's been it's been within the um, the source material, the source, source material. books for forever since. the. I mean, if you look at the closed captioning of A New Hope, it says Obi-Wan's making a crate dragon sound. So, yeah. I mean, it's been a thing forever. I mean, like, the bones in Tatooine that C-3PO is, is walking by are past in New Hope. That Those are Crate Dragon bones. And, like, absolutely, I understand now why you, well, we could never see a live version of this till now. Because the effects that would be needed, we're talking, you know, it's, it's the size of a, a kaiju, a Godzilla. But, I mean, look what they did with the Rancor. But, dude, the Rancor was... Compared to a Kree dragon, yeah, the, the Kree dragon makes it look makes it look like a little tiny toy. I don't think they could have pulled off all of the ancillary effects that goes with the Kree dragon. The Rancor, for the most part, was a subject or an object that was so it wasn't wrapped within dirt or anything else. Exactly. If, if the I do agree with you. The Kree dragon scene that we were given in this episode yes in the 70s it we wouldn't have been able to give we it we wouldn't be able to actually get that it's, it's due not even close if it didn't involve sand and all of the ancillary effects that that coalesce and make it really work and sell the the effect yeah no there's no way that that's why you know i was completely blown away watching this episode i was in vfx nerd heaven, heaven. i'm like holy shit like I don't even think it was top notch work. I don't think we can even get a crate dragon in like during Lucas's time when he was doing the prequels. Because oh, come the on, simmer down. Well, no, no, no. I mean, think think about the technology. Even at to the point when Lucas was working on it in the prequels. I think we could have. But that organic looking though. Yes, I think so. I mean, we're talking about Lucas here, man. Yeah, yeah it's Lucas. But I mean, like, we're dude, talking there's about so much that has to go into that VX. The the the. The actual map making of that dragon. Look, look at some of the things. Pop in the prequel in 4K. And oh, the, yeah. the effects are are stunning. Look at the Camino scene and the beast that flies out of the ocean. Dude, there's a lot of effects that they do that are fantastic. But for oh, no, television, for television, for streaming services, it is mind blowing. The illusion of the weight and when you and when you compare it with the sand. I mean, the grit and the mist of the sand, all of it is top-notch work. Because that's what I look at when I when I review visual effects. Because any ho-hum visual effects company or visual effects house can churn out a, a decent-looking effect. But it's everything that goes with it. How is it yes. rendered? What does the weight look like? Do you have the gravity right? 
is there any uncanny valley aspect? Because even when you look at a big budget show like Game of Thrones, there are moments like when they're on the dragons where it's kind of like, oh, Oh, it's not horrible, but there's something off. There's there's a weight issue. There's an issue with the gravity. And I've worked with visual effects, so I can kind of see those things. And those are elements that I, I, I look for. And yet with the crate dragon, everything just worked so well together. The scene where the Mandalorian and the, the gentleman, I forgot his name. Vanth. Yeah. Vanth, Marshall Vanth. were flying with their jetpacks around the crate dragon shooting. I mean, it was mind blowing. Yeah. And especially, especially throwing in them. Flying around the Crete Dragon. Yeah, you're including multiple effects. Multiple effects at that point. That that was the shot that I basically put in my notes that I was highly impressed with because the amount of work. The the scale, the scaling was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I can't say enough about the visual effects. This show continues to just knock it out the park. Well, when it comes to visual effects, that's the thing I was really worried about was like in season one, me and you gushed over the visual effects. We gushed over, you know, like what technology they used in the Mandalorian. And I kept thinking to myself, they can't outdo that. Like they can't outdo it. Right. Well, that's going to be their thing now. They're going to have to. They're going to have to. The bar has been set, Dave. And honestly, episode one, the Kree Dragon stuff outdoes season one. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, we had amazing effects in the first season, but this but that. this was this was Filoni and Favreau just throwing down the gotlam like come at us. Come at us. They just set the tone for the entire season. And they didn't even wait. Those are the types of moments we get at the end of an arc. You know, let's say episode 3 of a 10 episode season <laughs> or, you know, the season finale, but no, they gave that to us in all its splendor and glory in the very first episode. In the very first episode, which I'm, I'm with you. I'm really impressed that they, they didn't hold back. Like I always felt in season one, there was a feeling that I, I thought they were holding back on some of the episodes where they were doing the visual effects here. It's almost like, just like what you said, they threw threw down the gauntlets and, you know, hell with it. We're going to, we're going to do everything we can to constantly outdo ourselves. And now, and you have to, when you're dealing with star Wars, you kind of have, you kind of have to VFX is kind of synonymous with star Wars at this point. That's, that was one of my complaints about the um, sequel trilogy. Uh Uh-huh. They're good for what they are. And they do have stellar, big box office, big budget tent pole effects, right? Yes. But what do they do to push the industry push forward? The industry what do they do to push the VFX industry forward? Did they invent technology? Did they do something new and never seen before? No, they kind of just used what was already there. Whereas the Mandalorian is more from the school of Lucas. It's like, hey, Let's invent something. Let's do something. Let's do things that aren't really being done today and make it work for the TV show. And you get that sense, too, that they were experimenting in episode one, especially like not just with the visual effects, but the formatting. Like the fact that basically I don't not many people know this because like me and you know about like hardcore filmmaking. 
But like hardcore, was that like pornography? <laughs> pornography. Is that what you're trying well, to say? Visual pornography. That, you got to watch how you say things. Because now people are like, man, these guys are some fucking porn star directors. <laughs> Damn. But like the can I get an audition? Do you have titties? <laughs> titties. Uh, then yes, yes. <laughs> but the the whole uh, finding out how much not just the visual effects, but also the fact that they shot parts of this almost as if for IMAX. I don't know if you noticed, like toward the end, mm-hmm. the formatting changed. And I kept th- th- wondering myself, why is the Did you actually find changed? information on this? And yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I actually looked it up and sure enough, they changed the aspect ratio and the, and the format for certain shots toward the end mm-hmm. and used IMAX technology for it. Well, there are big shots. It That's, would make sense. And it's for like a TV show. Yeah, but they're they're that shooting impressive. They're shooting with the intent for future theatrical releases. I'm telling you, like you think the Mandalorian is only going to be on streaming services? There'll be a time, and they know it. Everyone nowadays, shoots. I don't know, dude. I they, don't know. They shoot for those bigger screens, especially with Star Wars, and that's something that I am grateful for because one of the biggest complaints I had, I have not been an advocate for Star Wars TV shows. I had said, yes, give us a Star Wars TV show. Give us a couple Star Wars TV shows, but I never want the Star Wars TV shows to replace the movies. The movies is what makes Star Wars big, you know, large images and just big effects. And I didn't want Star Wars to be marginalized down to just simply, you know, a TV budget and TV scale. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I, I was completely wrong. With The Mandalorian, they continue to go big. Yes, it, it is small. They do cut things. The stories are relatively uh, very simple. This simplistic. episode was very simplistic. Very simplistic. But the imagery is very large. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are trying to sell this as a, a Star Wars picture for the most part. And yes, yeah. we know that someday they may do a special release in the theaters there's also rumors that this will eventually spin off to actually being a movie it's easy to do it's very easy to make a theatrical version of the mandalorian down the road it kind of actually now that you mention it it kind of is and i would i would be very interested to see them i mean at this point dave the mandalorian is a permanent fixture within the star wars universe star wars canon and even when this tv show wraps you think you think fans are going to let it go? No, we, we no. fans never let anything go when it comes to Star Wars. They're going to have to do something with the Mandalorian, and it may end up turning into a movie thing. And by that point, we may have a bunch of characters we've all become uh, familiar with because of this series, and it'll all be in the movie. So, so go big. That's what they need to do. And they continue to sell this big Star Wars picture, big Star Wars story. And for that, I am completely thankful for the powers that be and the powers that are making those decisions. And although the episode served as an adventurous start to the second season, not really a lot happened in the way of the bigger story. The plot was relatively simple. Yes. And yes, we had some allusions to the myth arc and to the bigger story, but they were relatively quick and relatively simple. And in the way of actual myth arc development, we had maybe eight to 10 minutes. The majority of that was part of the opening teaser, which was about eight minutes, which was solid. That eight minute teaser was a great way to start the episode. Just recap, recap it, the whole story and basically get us re reintroduced to the Mandalorian. Yeah. Having him 
meet with the gentleman at the Gamorrean fights, <laughs> uh, getting the story. Dude, did you uh, realize that was John Leguizamo? Yeah. Yeah, I was aware. I cannot believe that that was him. I don't I didn't even recognize why, why, why would you? He's playing a, an alien, Dave. That's like <laughs> saying you didn't recognize the gentleman playing um, Darth Vader back in the 70s. Well, well he has a helmet on. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I, I can't believe I didn't recognize Boba Fett. I was I was even I was even thinking like maybe if I recognize his voice at least. Mm. But not even his voice. Well, he's a good actor. Dude. He's a good actor. You look at the remember his performance for Spawn. Oh, as the clown. Yeah, he did a great job <laughs> in that. It was kind of stupid, but as a performance piece, it was great. It was it was the highlight of that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> so this whole entire eight minute teaser that we were given it paves the path to return to Tatooine. But the logic behind the teaser setup is a little concerning. Okay, I'm not sure there. if it makes much sense. Okay, now and correct me if I'm wrong here. Okay, he has set out on his mission to find the child's people. Yes, so he decides to look for other Mandalorians to do so. <laughs> the okay. armorer was already very knowledgeable. Yes, she actually told him who he needs to look for, which are the ancient Jedi sorcerers. Yes. But then he chooses to seek out other Mandalorians. I'm not quite sure. It felt a little gimmicky just so that we can introduce, you know, of course, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. I mean, would you not seek out Jedi? That's what I'm glad that me and you are on the same page. Yes. Uh, you are not wrong there. You're not wrong. That was my biggest problem. It was the <laughs> illogical decision they made that just was kind of out of left field. I mean, think about the time frame we're in. Five years after Return of the Jedi. Yes. The Republic is being rebuilt. I'm sure news has spread across the galaxy by this point. And there's got to be rumors and gossip surrounding two of its leaders. Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. The Jedi who destroyed the Death Star. And Leia Organa. Especially since in the, in the new trilogy, basically it's told that basically Luke becomes a legend. He becomes like this mythical figure right. in the universe. And I'm like going, five years have passed. I, I, I can kind of stomach it as he's in the outer rim and he's away from everything. And right? that is fair, Dave. And I would agree. I, in fact, we said that last year. We have justified that this is a small story. Uh, it takes place in the outer regions. It, it makes perfect sense for a man who's trying to hide, not to be completely in the know politically. You're dealing with a very large galaxy, right? It's no different than someone saying, hey, I saw a guy once wear a red hat in China. Maybe you could find him for me. Like, wait, what? What? <laughs> you know, the world is so big. You would never find this gentleman. Just like, you know, when you want to put it to scale to the universe in Star Wars, it's I mean, so some farm boy blew up a, a base station battle station. Right. So I understand that. But now you're dealing with this guy who's seeking out Jedi. Logically, wouldn't you seek out rumors? And those rumors would actually lead you to finding out who took down the about the new Republic. Right. Especially in this episode where they specifically bring up the second Death Star. So logically, you would seek out rumors. But let's play devil's advocate for a second. Let's say you've been under a rock. On the outskirts of civilization, like you said, 
the moment you start to investigate, you're going to hear of these names, right? You're going to hear of Luke Skywalker. You're going to hear of Leia. Yeah. That's why I told you when me and you discussed about what we're expecting out of this, out of the season, one of my things that I basically said is I'm expecting some kind of acknowledgement of Luke because he's the one that kind of right. brought down the empire. He's the, he's the farm boy who took down not one, but led to the destruction of two Death Stars. Exactly. Now, I don't have, I don't think this is a deal breaker, but they, they do need to clarify a few things. They, I know last season they were trying to keep the, the show relatively um, close knit, uh, not close knit. What's the word I'm looking for? Closed off closed from off. the bigger world. Yes. And that worked, especially with the setting and the concept. But the moment yeah. they introduced Yoda's people, and they said a group of sorcerer Jedis, the rules changed. Yeah. The, the world can no longer be small. And now you're, you're heading out to investigate. You're, you're going to hear these things. And honestly, at this point, I almost feel like we need to stay on Tatooine a bit. We can't just go to the next planet. I don't want every episode to be like last season where it's, a, it's episodic and a new quest. And you're hopping from planet to planet. Right, because if these things, let's say this this little illogical issue was designed specifically to bring about Boba Fett. Now, if these are things he comes to realize, let's say Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Leia Organa. Let's say these are things the Mandalorian comes to realize while he's on Tatooine and he stumbles across Boba Fett. Then this all could work well because Boba Fett slash Cobb Vanth. Which, by the way, they abided by established canon, thankfully. They thankfully. I, I was hoping with this whole Boba Fett rumors that we had circling for several months now that they weren't going to try to backpedal when it comes to established canon. Because yeah. as we know, Cab Vanth was actually already established in Star Wars canon. Yes. With the Aftermath novels. And him getting the getting the armor too, right, was established in it, the novel. This isn't the character's first appearance in the Star Wars universe. He actually comes from Chuck Wendig's book Star Wars Aftermath, which actually tells the story of what happened immediately after the fall of the Empire. The book more or less tells a story that we see in this episode's flashback of yes. Vance's time on Mos Pelgo. Yeah, basically, I I encourage people. I think me and you covered Aftermath. In no, the past, we did. We were going we? to. But like, I encourage people, go get the book Aftermath because it is very good. It gives, a, it gives you the perspective of basically what happens when a, a great empire falls. And it's very logical. You know, a great empire falls. Well, there's a power vacuum that happens at that point. The New Republic just doesn't go in there and basically say they're the leaders. No. All those all, where the empire had its stronghold, suddenly you have like these little mining corporations and and mm -hmm. and criminal underground say, oh, "Okay, that place is freed up. We're going to take it." Right, but more importantly, uh, pertaining to this discussion specifically, it explains what happened. Yeah, vaguely to Boba Fett because that that was the thing that created so much mystery. When Bubble Fett's armor was just simply found and Vanth goes around wearing the, the armor, you're like, okay, wait a second. 
does this mean Fett is alive officially? And since that release of that book, there's been that question mark. There's been the rumors. Like, are we going to see Fett? Did they do that on purpose? And obviously we, we know that. That if they introduce an element that big in a book, because we know everything's connected now officially, that they're going to have to get back to it at some point. And Mm -hmm. this takes us to Fett. How did he get out of the Sarlacc? I can, I can actually, I actually like how they did this. Well, okay. Well, there were some illusions and I'm glad they were, there were illusions and not just straight up statements statements right away. Yeah. Now, the Sarlacc was eaten, we can assume, by the Great Dragon. The great Dragon. Because, as they said, it now lives within an empty Sarlacc pit. And when Vanth said, I've never heard of an empty Sarlacc pit, they said, you would if a Great Dragon ate it. Ate it. Now, we know, based on Star Wars canon, way back during the days of Return of the Jedi, that... When you're swallowed by a Sarlacc, you don't just die instantly. You are nope. slowly digested. <laughs> Boba Fett has armor, right? Yes. He survived whatever digestive fluids. And I'm assuming that the crate Dragon killed the Sarlacc shortly after the events of Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because, like, uh, they make allusions to the fact that the crate Dragon showed up just recently right. to them. Right, so the crate Dragon, obviously at this point we can assume that the crate Dragon killed the Sarlacc, and when he killed the Sarlacc, Boba Fett was freed somehow. Yeah. And took his armor off for whatever reason. And that's where we're at now, because we saw, of course, Tamura, the, the gentleman that plays Jango Fett and the yep. clones. We saw him at the very end of the episode. To everyone's surprise, I, I do not think any of us actually thought we would get him so quickly so in quick, the season. Yeah. And honestly, I'm pretty happy with the way they uh, executed that scene Same and here. how they brought him in. It wasn't, I don't feel like it was too soon. And it it wasn't over the top. When you think about how the episode was laid out, this is one of the elements I really enjoyed. The way they laid it out, all the clues are there. Yes. Bubba Fett's armor. What happened to Bubba Fett? The Sarlacc is dead. The Great Dragon killed it. All the clues are there. So when we had that reveal, I was like, that works. And and also, if you think about it, okay, me and you discussed this off the air, and I think it was a very valid point. If the Mandalorian, if you wanted to bring in a character that is tied to the Jedi, that would know about the Jedi, that's Mandalorian, it makes sense bringing in Boba Fett. That's why if this was the reason, if Filoni was like, all right, how are we going to get the Mando back on tattooing? Well, let's have him seek out Mandalorians. Possibly other Mandalorians will know a little bit more about the Jedi lore. All right. Well, while he's there, let's just introduce Fett. And also let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's bring Fett back. Let's establish how he got back. The fans are going to love it. And we'll tie it into the Mandalorian's journey because you're right, Dave. Bet literally knows everything. Yeah. And you- if we need information, and when I say we, I'm talking about the Mandalorian. If we need information on Jedi, he's a logical choice. I mean, the guy knows everything. When yeah. you think about it, he knows more than we may even know he- ourselves as fans. 
Oh, yeah. And because if- there's so many things we don't quite know. How involved were now, of course, in the comic books and books, all, all that's been retcon now. But the one thing that hasn't been retcon is Clone Wars. Right. And Clone Wars, we saw young Boba Fett. So we know his mind state at this point because there was that big story arc in Filoni's run of Clone Wars where he was also a kid, though, then a lot of time has passed. Yeah, but. Do you think the, uh, Fett is going to let go of his hatred? No, for not the at all. Jedi? <laughs> no, not at all. And that's why he's the the best choice to bring in to bring in to uh, if they do this, and they, they better because it just makes sense. He's the he was around during the entire Clone Wars fiasco. Fiasco. Uh, he was aware of Sifo-Dyas. He was aware of. The conspiracy to take over the Jedi. He was aware of Darth Tyrannus. He was right there with his dad the whole time. Yep. He can also fill in the blanks and connect the issue we had, not the issue, but the element that was introduced last season with the Imperial officer that we had first seen the child with, who had a Camino emblem on his uniform. Yep. So all of this can be explained, and we need to explain it. These are big story elements introduced. You cannot bring in Fett simply for fan service. If you're bringing in a big character, and let's be clear here. Narratively speaking, Fett is not that important in terms of the bigger story of Star Wars. He's he died in Empire. Bigger story of Star Wars. Yes, you're right. But when it comes to the fan base, he's huge. He's huge. He's huge. You do not bring in Boba Fett and actually bring him back to life officially for the first time in live action. Something that people have been trying to do since the 80s. You don't bring him back and not use him (laughs) in a very important way. Unless you just unless you're like those those type of people that write fan stories okay. and just basically just use just throw away references. Okay, Dave. And if they do that, I quit. And I don't I don't think they would. I no, mean, we're talking about Filoni and Favreau. I don't think they're just going to be like, yeah, guys, and then Fett's at the end. That's it. Later. No, no. The big name that you just said, Favreau, I have my issues. Filoni is the one that I'm like going, I know he's not going to use that throwaway. Yeah, he does not throw away references. Filoni is one of the executive producers. He's not going to just sit idly by and allow the Mandalorian to simply turn into a fan piece. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going to turn it. He's not going to allow this to be turned into a fan piece, especially when you. Now the problem that I have right now with the Mandalorian and watching it, and I don't know if you had this problem. I think I'm having a problem with Mandalorian right now because I know some of the stuff already. Thanks to news. Like I know Sabine's going to show up. Well, that's your fault, Dave. I know Those are about, spoilers. I know about I know about that, right? You because, can't get upset about it, Dave. You're the one who actively seeks out this information for a yeah. Star Wars show called The Back to Tank that and we're I doing can't, right now. And I can't. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But if you're looking at this as kind of like a narrative thing, yeah. everything just makes sense what's being brought in. Right. And there's a point. that It's a lot of stuff that Filoni established himself that basically I'm like going, all right. Normally, I'd be worried if this were, if this was like, even if this was Favreau, I'd be like going, okay, I have a bad feeling this is being written by a fanboy. Well, Dave, we have some issues with the script. The story, we don't have issues. Yeah, the scripting. The scripting. 
let's take a quick break. And then okay. when we get back, I want to I don't want to be a troll about it because I I do enjoy this show. But well, also we 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 want to be honest. We're not just fans of Star Wars. We're also critics and we analyze and critique. That's what we do. So yes. we'll get into the more technical stuff in just a moment. All right, everyone. Decision 2021 is what I'm calling this. We need your help. Every year around this time, we start weighing the pros and cons, whether or not we should continue with this podcast endeavor. Can we make money? Can we turn a profit? Well, we need you in order to continue. So decision 2021, as we try to educate our listeners on ways that you can keep this network alive. Number one, Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital. Pledge, help us stay alive, or be aware of our shows and when they go live, when they go on demand, and be sure to interact with our posts within social media. Like the post, share the post, comment. All these things trigger algorithms that are necessary for our shows to trend on social media. So thank you and be aware or be square. How do you like that, Dave? <laughs> there we go. All right. Make sure you head over to patreon.com slash Digital and get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions every single month. From comic book discussions to book reviews to bonus discussions. All centered around Star Wars. So make sure to go to Patreon.com and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to more Star Wars discussion. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout. And you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, and even blow you away. Plus... Free shipping! Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. No. 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 You must die! All right, welcome back, everyone, to... Star Wars from the back to tank. Be sure to leave us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play. Just um, give us thumbs up and share as well. It does help our show trigger those algorithms and we are then seen by more people. All right, Dave. So do you want to just move into final thoughts and then (laughs) kind of go through and make so that we don't kind of. We don't get angry. Yeah, I say we move into final thoughts. (laughs) Okay, and then we share the more technical aspects the the issues i guess okay i think that's a fair thought because i I do want us to i want the audience to understand that me and you have we like the show yeah it's okay yeah (laughs) it's okay yeah don't kill us (laughs) well or or you can i will bust out that 
<laughs> yeah, Sarlacc, though. Don't make me bust out my poop knife. Oh, Dave, no one knows that. <laughs> what that is. All right, go ahead. But, final okay. thoughts. Grade final as thoughts. well. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with my grade. I'm going to give this episode a 75. Okay. I like all the elements they introduced. Mm-hmm. I like them. I like the performances too. I like no, Timi- Timothy Oliphant, Timi- dude. Oh, dude, fuck. why isn't Timothy Oliphant doing more? <laughs> he better be in At this series At least doing more again. westerns, please. He better please. be in this again. That's all I got to say. Oh, please. he's got to be. He's got to be. If he, he doesn't show up, yeah, I'm going to be like, like, well, now my heart is broken. <laughs> but yeah. Timothy Oliphant stole the show for me. I loved his portrayal of Vanth. I also I also really a hundred percent appreciate the fact that they brought something from the new books. Finally, they brought a character in Vanth from the from from the books into live action, and that should be really big for for Star Wars. You know, hardcore fans who've been reading the books, we finally got a character, and then besides Timothy Oliphant, because I could go on about him. I the visual effects were stunning in this one. This beats anything I've seen in season one. And there was a lot in season one that I loved. But the visual effects and the cinematography in this was beautiful. It looked pretty. It damn looked pretty. My only issues that I have is what we're going to allude to or what we have alluded to is the script, the pacing. It, there's there's points in the story that basically I'm like going, I get it. I know what you're trying to do, Favreau. You don't have to shove your dick down my throat. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I I appreciate what you're doing for me right here. Yeah. Don't grab the back of my head. Yeah, listen, Favreau, we get it. You're making a Western. We get it. Exactly. And also, I honestly really am going to be paying attention to the story because they have to, they can't have the same mistakes they had in season one where but we had really only three relevant episodes, three relevant episodes. Everything else was filler and basically just set pieces. Like, like what you said, they were all kind of like standalone episodes or episodic. We can't have that. Not when we're not when you've established such a grand story about dealing with the child. The child is like the has been the shining piece of Star Wars for the last four years. You can't just drop that. Don't fumble that because we finally have the ability to look at something in star Wars and say, we're proud of that. I love that. I'm enjoying that. Okay. But you gotta actually not repeat the mistakes you had in season one. And that's what I have. Oh, that's why that brought down my score. Well, a little, probably about 50% of it. The other half has to be the sound design. Because that is the one element I think regressed. Because I'm looking at the score. Well, that's not sound design. That's score. Or not just the not not just the score, but also the not just the sound design, but also the score. I'm looking at everything. I'm like going, everything just seems like it's badly dubbed, and 
no one knows how to do musical pacing because suddenly I'm getting like this grandiose overture score in a very quiet scene. Why? <laughs> Why? And it happens not once, not twice, but three times in the episode to me. I don't think it's the way they, I don't think it's the way they use the music. I think it's the way it was composed. The, the outside of the Mandalorian theme itself, the theme is, is always great. The theme's great. It's fantastic. I like the theme. The actual score that was composed specifically for this episode, it felt weird. It, it felt, felt like weird. 1990s video game music. Exactly. Yeah, it was strange. It wasn't that great. And with those two elements, that's why the score is a 75. I enjoyed okay. the episode. All right. That's a fair final thoughts, Dave. I want to give this a 68%. I thought it was a, as a Star Wars fan, I loved it. I mean, it had so many great elements added to it. Um, I mean, Boba Fett, you know, the, de- the mention of the Death Star, <laughs> Death Star elements being brought back from the books. Finally, like we keep, we've, we've heard since 2013 that, oh, the books, the comic books, they're all going to matter. We're going to use them in the movies and the, and whatever else they're going to be doing. And to finally see these aspects being added it makes you really do it makes you feel it makes it makes the books and the comics really do feel relevant relevant yeah um but how many overused western tropes can you shove <laughs> into a 60 minute episode with only 8 to 10 minutes of actual story that is very true so he said dude I, it felt like he was shoving it right in my face Favreau, we get it dude you like westerns and we understand this is a western but you don't need to throw in every roy rogers you know john ford wannabe western trope every five seconds you, you just don't have to do it set the tone you have we understand what world we are in but you don't need to remind us what happened plot wise Mando decides to track down other Mandos, finds a non-Mando wearing Boba Fett's armor, helps the non-Mando defeat a crate dragon to win back the armor. That's the plot, Dave. It's so painfully simplistic and void of any relevance exactly. or substance. And it's borderline forced. Remove the hundreds of references that serve as nothing more than Favreau trying to prove he's a Star Wars nerd. And does he, this episode really stand up when compared to any other television show currently running in terms of quality? I mean, okay, visual effects, fantastic. It looks pretty. But if you put this side by side, any show on HBO Max, Showtime, even Hulu, it, there's a, a simplistic hokiness that, okay, you could say hokiness is Star Wars. Absolutely. And I'm okay with that. I get what Star Wars is. I'm not new. I've been around quite some time, but it doesn't really hold up when you side by side in terms of storytelling. The entire template is based on the 1950s Western serials. Nothing wrong borrowing ideas, but these are like copy and paste stories. Yes. I feel like I've watched this episode of TV a dozen times over. Well, if you see so like, even the story it, and it feels like copy and paste. Okay. Let's remove an alien and put a cowboy in here. I mean, you had the small town and the stranger fight side by side, the indigenous folk to 
put down a greater threat. How many times? What is this? Dances with Wolves? How many times have we seen this? Avatar. I mean, it's an uneven script with tired, uneventful, and uninspiring trope after another. Music was awful. Video game music, really? That's what we're getting in Star Wars now? So it's a 68%. And I feel a little disappointed in myself. But I got to be honest. I you got to we're critiquing this honestly. Right. And all my problems for the most part are just writing. John Favreau should stay as the showrunner. Filoni should stay as the executive producer. But they, I, it's the same problems I had last year. Get a goddamn TV writer in there to help rewrite. John Favreau can write stories all day long. Do it. You have great ideas. This episode proves it. Last season proves that he has great ideas. Yeah. But he's got to get someone to rewrite his scripts. They're not TV scripts. They're uneven. How many times do we need to see uh, the speeder go across a desert hill? <laughs> I counted. How many times do we need to see the Banthas go over the hills? How many times do we need to see the landscape shots? We get it. It's a fucking Western. We understand that. Move on. Yeah. I've counted probably over 20. Westerns don't out-Western the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping we lose some of that. And I do feel ashamed of myself because I, as a Star Wars fan, I enjoy it. But as a TV critic, it's not very great in terms of writing. It's just not. It's not groundbreaking. Yeah, I just really wish the writing would just come together because, like I said, the story is really good. But if you can get yourself a fucking writer in there that understands TV, he can really bring it together. There's just so many uneven moments that kind of kills the pacing. Yeah. So, And I'm hoping we don't have these problems moving what? forward. And Favreau, listen, there's no problem not writing an episode. There's many showrunners that don't write episodes. They are in charge of the show. And Favaro has proven he's a great showrunner, but he's not a great television writer. And it shows. Yeah. And I go on Rotten Tomatoes and I see that, you know, critics gave this a 97%. Like, what are you fucking smoking? (laughs) Come on. Yeah, I I have to agree. I think people are just really excited for The Mandalorian, but I'm waiting for people to take a step back and actually look at it. Because you, you... the one thing that you want to talk about tonal changes as a bad thing, look at the very beginning. You have this you have this moment where the Mandalorian's in this darkened city filmed war, right? Yeah. And he, it ends with him walking away, essentially leaving someone to die, to get eaten in an alleyway by monsters with red eyes. Then you jump to suddenly the West. Everything's bright. Everything's sunny. (laughs) And suddenly we're all jokey because, hey, you know, let's reintroduce the one mechanic character. Everyone likes her. Sure. Right. The tone is a little inconsistent is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The tone is inconsistent. Yeah. And even, listen, I'll even forgive that. But because Star Wars is overall in the original Star Wars films, the first six, the tone is a little inconsistent as well because you do have that that more goofier serial side. So I understand that, but, but here's the thing though, that's basically saying, okay, so it's okay to write bad because 
the bad writing was it, there originally. It depends on <laughs> genre, Dave. Like, are you writing something that's supposed to be Flash Gordon e? That's Star Wars. Then, then it's fine having goofiness there. There's what do we always say when you're writing within a genre? Know your genre. Know your genre. So it's okay to have those elements. It's the reason why we have cheesy lines in Star Wars, and we're okay with it because the cheesy lines fit what Lucas is trying to do. But the stories are coherent. The stories mm-hmm. themselves are tight. The script is tight. This show has everything that you would expect from Star Wars, right? But the script is very uneven. It's not tight. Yes. So, all right. That's it. I don't want to overly browbeat. And if this is another issue in another episode, I won't bring it up because there's no reason to beat a dead horse. I want to enjoy the show for the most part. Yeah. Now, if an episode is stellar in writing, I will say that so that people will know the difference. So, all right. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes. (laughs) 